We'll read together from the book of Psalms, Psalm 17. It's the prayer of David. If you'd like to read along, you can find a Bible in the pew in front of you. Psalm 17 is found on page 454. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me, and you will find nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me, hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. They close their hearts to pity. With their mouths they speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. They set their eyes to cast us to the ground. He is like a lion eager to tear, as a young lion lurking in ambush. Arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him. Deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword, from men by your hand, O Lord, from men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure, they are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the picture of Psalm 17, as you can see, is that of a powerful shepherd standing up in the midst of his flock to defend them against the pride of lions that is hungrily circling them. The flock is the church, the shepherd is our almighty God, and the lions looking to destroy the church are the enemies. Those who seek refuge in the Lord Almighty, the, the great shepherd, they must prove that they are righteous. They must prove that they are sheep, that they are not the wicked. And so when we pray the words of Psalm 17, we point to the evidence of God's grace in our lives that show that we are his sheep. By the grace of God, we believe that God forgives our sins. We believe that he will keep his covenant promises, that he spoke to us. And it is to this faith and this trust in God that we point to when we ask him to pay attention to our cry, to display his love toward us, to stand up in our midst to protect us, deliver us. And I preach to you the gospel that our righteousness in Christ gives us a claim 
to God's attention, God's love, and God's deliverance. So if we look at our psalm, we can see it starts talking about a just cause, knowing that we must prove that we have a just cause, that God should hear, that God should attend to, give ear to. Verse 1, we ask our God to notice that we are praying with lips that are free from deceit. And then in verse 2, he can, he can behold our right. He can, he can see our integrity. The church calls upon God to let his eyes behold us, to try our hearts, even at night, even at night when no one else can see us and we are at our weakest. We ask God to test us, to prove us. And we understand that prayer requires an attitude of sincerity without hypocrisy. And so we, we ask the Lord, look right into our hearts. Judge us and you will vindicate our claim to righteousness. That's in verse 2. And the church prays confident in her faithfulness to the covenant and assures God that his testing and his searching, verse 3, will find nothing. God will be able to see the evidence of his grace within us by our eagerness to ensure that our mouths will not transgress. Verse 3, again. We say the word of God's lips gives us, guide us guidance when we regard the works of man. We use his word to help us to avoid violent ways. Verse 4, to hold fast to God's paths like a train on a railroad track without tottering or slipping down into doubt. In Psalm 17, we claim God's attention on the basis of our attitudes, our loyalty, our obedience. We are his sheep, we say. Lord, pay attention to us because we show that we are your sheep. And you have promised to care for us as your sheep. Now when we understand that we are not claiming perfection and sinlessness, but rather we are claiming in this psalm that it is our desire to walk faithfully in God's covenant, to receive the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ, then today we use the same words of Psalm 17 with the same confidence. We still want to walk with God. We still want to receive the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ. Psalm 17 presents the same reasons that we present today to claim our right to receive the comfort of the sacrament of Lord's Supper. Not a declaration of perfection. Not obligating God to something he has not ever promised. But a declaration that we hate our sins. That we receive God's promise of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. That we can show evidence of his Holy Spirit 
in our lives. We, we examined ourselves last week. We, we do again this morning. Those are the three parts of the examination. Straight out of, out of Scripture, the same emphasis of Psalm 17. And in this context, we can experience God's love. We can expect to experience his love. In verses 6 and 7, the church expresses her confidence that God will answer us with his marvelous steadfast love because we want to walk as his children. Believers can call and can know that God will incline his ear. He will hear our words. He will answer us. He is the Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at his right hand. That's verse 7. So we know that he will wondrously show his steadfast love. It's a beautiful statement. We can remember that in our minds as we live our lives. God will wondrously show his steadfast love, or he will show his marvelous steadfast love to us, his sheep. And the depth of his love is further explained in verse 8, where God's people are reminded that God sees us as the apple of his eye, and he hides us in the shelter of his wings. Now the song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32, verse 10, and you saw one verse of that. It was displayed on the wall as you were walking in today, Psalm Deuteronomy 32, verse 10. It uses these same expressions, and it gives a, the picture of God seeing us like he saw Israel in the howling waste of the wilderness and then leaning in very near to us, the apple of his eye, to tenderly care for us, to, to encircle us in his hand. And the expression, the apple of the eye, it's a translation of the phrase, the, the little man of his eye, which refers to the pupil which you can see a small reflection of yourself when you stand very close by to another person. To be the apple of God's eye is to be that little person right there in the vision of God, right before the face of God, observed by God so closely that you can know that he, he loves you. He will keep you safe. Deuteronomy 32, 11, and 12 also gives us a picture of what it means to be hidden in the shelter of his wings. It's the next verse, and it's the same comparison. And in this situation, it compares God to an eagle, an eagle stirring up its nest and fluttering over its young. And then when the, the little one gets thrown out of the nest to see if it can fly and it, it doesn't make it, it's just falling, then the eagle swoops spreads out its wings and it swoops under the falling young eagle to catch it and, and to bear it up again on its pinions. That's the, the big feathers of, of his wings. That's the love of God that we can expect when we turn to him. When God sees our righteousness in Christ, he treats us with his marvelous, steadfast love, the tender compassion of, of doting Parents that they show toward their, their precious, one-of-a-kind child who captures their heart. That's, that's you. You are that child. And we can be confident that the covenant God who loves us dearly will deliver us from the hand of the wicked, 
who surround us. The wicked also are described in the psalm as adversaries of the church and the right hand of God. That's verse 7. Though the psalm speaks often of violence and deadly enemies who are like lions ready to tear the sheep to pieces, the original language uses several expressions that point to the greed that defines people who reject the Lord. Greed, greed is the problem. And using terms that remind us of Psalm 73, this, this psalm also talks about the arrogance of those who have treasures in this life and who are fiercely trying to cast the righteous to the ground. It's like Sennacherib and the Rabshakeh that we read about last week. They're, they were certain of their, their victory over God's people. They were speaking arrogantly. Well, today the wicked continue to, to siege the church with their proud claims like lions prowling around and circling, lying in ambush. But like Isaiah and like King Hezekiah, we, God's people, we remember that we're the apple of his eye. We remember the love of our Savior. We call upon him. Keep your covenant promises. Deliver us. Verse 13, arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him, deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword. When we pray the words of Psalm 17, we know that our God, the mighty shepherd, he will answer us. He will stand up in the midst of his flock. He will listen to our voice. He will turn his face toward the lions around to confront them, to subdue them, and to preserve his flock from their attacks. It's a beautiful picture given in Psalm 17. And we know by the end of the psalm also, we, we know that our God will ensure that their death will bring an end to their successes. It's like Psalm 73, it ended the same way. You see a lot of arrogance, a lot of victories, but if you look at the end, then you, you know the true story. Psalm 17, verse 14 says it again. Their, their portion is only in this life. It is temporary for the men of the world. They have their treasures. They share it with their children. And then they die. And that's it for them. For us, we find comfort in the Lord's deliverance, which will be completely evident when we die and when we wake up to see the face of our loving shepherd. That picture of the apple of his eye, and now talking about seeing his face. Although our life may be filled with many frightful attacks, that's nothing new. Psalm 17 already talks about that. But we know the covenant promises of God. And we know that we, verse 15, we shall behold God's face in righteousness when we awake. We shall be satisfied with God's likeness. And no one can take the comfort of Psalm 17 away from us. God will deliver his flock in this life and in the life to come. And he calls us to pray with that long perspective. Now as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we claim the promises of God's attention, his love, and his salvation from all the troubles of this life. And we claim that on the basis of Christ's 
righteousness. We eat the bread, we drink the cup to express our faith, not in ourselves. In fact, it is to, we declare our own sinfulness, but it is to express our faith in Jesus Christ. It is a way of celebrating our union with the victorious king, that mighty shepherd who stands up in our midst, who's prepared a place for us. We say, we belong to him. This is proof of our desire to be with him forever. And the lions may surround us, but we lift up our eyes in prayer. We plead for mercy on the basis of Christ's righteousness, and, and we're waiting for our Lord Jesus to come. So often with Lord's Supper, we think about that too. Until he comes, until he comes, we will trust in him. We'll sing it later, fear not, flock, which he is keeping, though encircled by the night, would he not securely keep those whom Christ bought as his sheep? Amen.